Hello, everybody, and welcome to McKay's Music Corner, a musical discussion podcast that and it starts... starts right now. to McKay's Music Corner, a music discussion podcast. And actually, today is going to be a bit on the personal and more emotional side than I've ever been. I do want to put out a warning that some of these topics might be too sensitive or emotional, and those topics are death and uh, suicide will be discussed. This episode is going to be difficult for even me to, to record it's been, it's been difficult for me to write down a script for and to research for, you know, by listening to songs and the stories behind the songs I'll discuss today. But I wanted to do today's episode because recently there was a big loss in my life and it's been really tough. Um, my mother-in-law passed away about two months ago now. And it's been really hard, not only for me, but especially for my husband, Jordan. And one of the ways I uh, deal with, you know, pain and loss and anxiety and grief is through music. And so I wanted to be a bit more vulnerable today. And I wanted to discuss a few songs today that were specifically written because of a loss of a loved one. The first song I'm going to be discussing today is called An Ode to Lost Jigsaw Pieces by Enter Shikari. And this song was released on September 22nd, 2017. Not including the instrumental outro track titled The Embers, An Ode to Lost Jigsaw Pieces is actually pretty much the final song on the record, The Spark. And fun fact, on the back of the CD, the tracklist says this song's full title is An Ode to Lost Jigsaw Pieces, and then in parentheses it says, In Two Movements. So the In Two Movements part is in reference to the song consisting of two segments that make up a bigger musical composition. And for me, the second movement is my favorite. I think that is where you can feel the most emotion from the singer, Rao Reynolds. At times, it even seems like you can hear him crying during the take, which makes the words that he sings even more touching. And specifically, there is a lyric section from Movement 2 that I want to cover and discuss piece by piece. So Rao sings this. And this is tough, man. I've lost more pieces of my jigsaw. It don't seem worth making now, Nan. I definitely need to explain this lyric because some lyric places online think he says man twice, but what he's actually saying is he's, a, he's saying Nan with an N, and that's because a lot of this song is about losing his grandma, his Nan. And every time I hear these lyrics in the song, it crushes me because you can hear the voice kind of quiver and crack a little when he says his grandma's nickname or whatever you call it. But man, the sadness and pain in his voice as he sings this, you can feel it. And he compares loved ones in his life to 
pieces in a jigsaw puzzle, and he explains that he has lost a few of those pieces, and it just doesn't seem worth making anymore without missing that piece. Without his grandmother in his life, he feels like things just aren't worth it. Things seem so difficult. And then the lyrics go on to say, They say you've got to stay busy. I'll keep my mind occupied on the here and now. Because you're not with me. But that's okay. We'll cope somehow. We all cope somehow. And so obviously these are really powerful lyrics. Trying to fight this battle between absolute sadness and devastation and still trying to maintain some sense of optimism and hope. And the line, because you're not with me, but that's okay, we'll cope somehow, is just so... This song always gets me. I love... I think it's a terrific end to the album. You know, a very sad one, but it does go out with a bang. Beautiful instrumentation, as Enter Shikari always does. But the, the lyrics, specifically, by Rao Reynolds, just really hit hard. And then in a surprising shift, once he says, you know, that set of lines, the song explodes into Ralph screaming the lines, we'll cope somehow, we all cope somehow. And it's this kind of amalgamation of anger and pain, and the song goes out like that. And something I'm just learning while doing research for this episode is that at the very end of the song, if you listen carefully, Rao the singer can be heard letting out what seems to be an emotional sigh. You know, as it's a difficult process for me to record this episode, I can't imagine trying to record a song specifically that addresses those feelings of his. So what a fun little thing they added at the end there before the album closes with The Embers. But yet the whole song itself is just an emotional ride and I really like how it concludes. And the whole album, The Spark, is really good as well. It's one of me and my husband's favorites. We actually had the chance to see Enter Shikari live. We drove down to California and saw them perform for the Spark tour, and it was amazing. And if all goes well, we should be able to see Enter Shikari here in Salt Lake City this October is when they've rescheduled their tour for that. And so that'll be fun to hear songs from their latest album. But overall, this song has just a lot of fun lyricism. It's very sad, very emotional and personal. And I always love when a, an artist does that and you can hear it in their voice. You can hear it in so many different aspects. So I really wanted to talk about this song on today's episode since we're dealing with the subject of grief and loss. Okay, so the next song I want to talk about is called Over Again by Mike Shinoda. And this was originally released on January 25th, 2018. And I say originally released because it was originally a part of a three-song EP called Post Traumatic EP. And this is an EP that Mike Shinoda released six months after the tragic passing of fellow bandmate of Linkin Park, Chester Bennington. When the EP released, Mike Shinoda said this, The past six months have been a roller coaster. Today I'm sharing three songs I wrote and produced. At its core, grief is a personal, intimate experience. As such, this is not Linkin Park, nor is it Fort Minor, it's just me. And so he released that three song EP, and then later that year, on June 15th, 2018, 
he would then go on to release a full-length album of the same name, Post Traumatic. And it was a total of 16 tracks, and it included the songs from the EP as the first three songs of the record. Not only is it a song about a loss that affected the creator of the song, but it, it also affected the world of music as a whole, especially Linkin Park fans. Mike Shinoda and Chester Bennington had just released their latest album with Linkin Park, One More Light, in May 2017. So it was only two months after that release that Chester Bennington sadly took his own life. And it's just so crazy to think that, like, two months go by after a new album release, and the band was set to go on a world tour promoting the new album, and then this devastating news just hit like a ton of bricks. And like I said, it, it hit the music community because Linkin Park is a huge band. Whether you think they're cringy or whatever, they, their music sucks, whatever you want to say, their music, they were performing in stadiums, they had so many fans, pretty much everyone has heard of them or has at least heard in the end. I remember when I heard the news of Chester Bennington's death, it was, it was really awful. I was at work and a uh, friend texted me the news and I just remember being in complete shock. I went to the internet to confirm the news and unfortunately saw that it was true and that Chester was gone. I had to get up from my desk and leave to the break room because I was, I was really emotional, to be honest. I just needed time to think and grieve the loss of a musician I had enjoyed and admired. Even though I didn't know Chester Bennington personally, I'd been listening to Linkin Park's music since like grade school, and owned all of their CDs, all of their albums on CD. It was, it was just terrible. And so this music, this, you know, three-song EP, and then later full-length album, it's all music that was written by Mike Shinoda in response to Chester's death. It was his way of coping and getting through it, while also providing fans of Linkin Park and Mike Shinoda and all the rest a way to, to grieve with him to do so through music. So this song talks about how saying goodbye to a person who has passed away is a constant process. As the lyrics in the chorus state, you say goodbye over and over and over again. The song also chronicles the grieving process of Mike and the rest of Linkin Park and how they and other musicians go on to perform a tribute concert in honor of Chester's life. I think this song is really good, and it covers all these different emotions after Chester's passing. It doesn't just have sadness in it. Mike Shinoda talks about how hard it was to go back on stage and perform these songs without his best friend and bandmate, and it's just so sad to think about. Because they did a tribute concert later that year, I think in October. And one of my favorite lyrics talking about this tribute concert is this one. We rehearsed it for a month. I'm not worried about the set. I get tackled by the grief at times that I would least expect. The reason I think these lyrics are so great is because of how nonchalant he sounds about it. Mike isn't concerned about knowing the songs or performing them correctly, but the difficult part is doing that again, but this time without an integral part, the singer, Chester. And the second half of those lines are incredibly true. As I've been dealing with this loss this past two months or so, 
They're just seemingly mundane and unrelated moments where I just break down in tears. Either small reminders or memories come flooding in. It's just really tough. I really like the rapping in this song. I think Mike Shinoda is a great rapper, and I always enjoy his rap parts in Linkin Park. But something about how personal all this is on this record just really strikes me. It tells a story really well and describes emotions and scenarios that came up from the grief. And there is another line that I really respect him including. So their lyric is, And everybody that I talk to is like, Wow, must be really hard to figure out what to do now. Well, thank you, genius. You think it'll be a challenge? Only my life's work hanging in the fucking balance. And these set of lines are really powerful to me because it shows that anger... And it also shows an aspect that you wouldn't expect a lot of people to talk about after a tragic loss like this. While Mike and the bandmates lost one of their best friends, and the trauma is sad and difficult, with Chester gone, it also puts Mike and the rest of Linkin Park, their whole lives and their careers in uncertainty. They had to cancel the rest of their world tour, and how on earth could they possibly replace or even have a stand-in for the legendary vocalist that is Chester? How could they play these emotional songs of struggle and pain when the person who wrote them was now gone? It's such a hard situation, and I know it could even seem like a selfish or insensitive thing for Mike Shinoda to express, but I don't think so at all. I think it's a valid concern that is going to affect the rest of their lives. The whole band was put in a tough spot, no matter how tragic it was. So hearing that lyric was very eye-opening. So yeah, this is another really great song that I wanted to talk about for today's episode on, you know, losing a loved one. And while the lyrics are written to a very specific case of loss, you know, with Chester taking his life and the lyrics pertain to trying to navigate through life afterwards, what the career is going to be from here on out, that sort of thing. I still think it's a really fantastic song about losing someone. And the whole record of Post Traumatic is just really great. It's one of my one of my favorite albums and it's just a solid album overall. And I don't think there's a, a single track on there that's skippable. Rest in peace, Chester. Alright, so the next song I'm going to be talking about is called Dancing Alone by Alice Santa. And this was released on April 1st, 2014. So I want to give some interesting background story to this song. While this song was released as a track on the Revival Recordings Presents It's All Acoustic compilation in 2016, the song originally premiered as a hidden and untitled seventh track on Alessandra's 2014 release, The Decade EP. And for some reason, Spotify's version of this EP does not include this track. So as of now, it is exclusive to the acoustic compilation I just mentioned. And what's so interesting is there's no indication of the song's existence anywhere on the physical CD. And unless they've changed it at some point, the purchasable copies of the EP on iTunes and Amazon Music don't include it either. So I actually remember buying this EP on CD the day it came out. It was back when I was attending Snow College, and I went to the only Walmart in Ephraim, and for some reason they had this band that I liked's new record there. So I bought the CD, and I remember listening to the CD in my car, and later on my iPhone, once I uploaded the tracks to iTunes. 
And I was so surprised at this mysterious track, because after the end of the sixth and supposed final track, Nevermore, there's about two and a half minutes of silence before this hidden track begins. And when the hidden track begins, what precedes the song itself is a recorded conversation of the band members in studio. The band is speaking with vocalist Sean Milk, discussing the inspiration of the song. They talk about how during the recording of this EP, Sean's grandfather passed away, and bandmate Dennis had a close friend pass away as well. And the conversation that you get to hear is really honest, and it feels like you are just sitting in the room with them as they talk about what this song means to them. About the song, vocalist Sean Milk says this, I structured the lyrics so that they are as if my grandmother was writing my grandfather a letter after he passed away. Sean Milk then goes on to record his vocals in a single take in efforts to get the sound as organic as we can get it. The whole conversation feels really raw and personal, and I really appreciate when bands give listeners a taste of behind-the-scenes type of things like this. And I'll actually be talking about another song that does this exact same thing later this episode. But sadly, for some reason, this whole conversation is completely removed from the version of the song that appears on the compilation album. So right now, the only way to hear the full song with the recorded conversation is if you own the physical CD or if you listen to the full version someone posted on YouTube. And I will have a link to that in the description. So now let me talk about the song itself. This song is comprised only of piano and vocals, and it really adds to the rawness of the track. There aren't too many elements or anything to make it distracting. It's very simple, just two beautiful instruments that complement each other. And while Alisana is a post-hardcore slash metalcore band with heavy songs and sometimes gruesome and violent lyrics, they are in no way confined to that. Like this song, there are several tracks in their discography where Sean's softer vocals sing to some lovely piano. And the piano in this song is really pretty. I really like what they do with it, where it's kind of this da 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 type of, I guess, like playing of the chords. It kind of sets the rhythm. The lyrics of this song are really heartbreaking, and that's to be expected since they were put together to resemble what the singer's grandmother would say to her now-gone husband. The words cover the fear of life without their loved one, the unfairness of life continuing on, and it even admits in verse 2, Sometimes I forget that you're gone. Parts of this person resonate everywhere, and the pain of the loss is overwhelming. But even though lyrically it sounds hopeless and sad, the singer says in the opening conversation that to him, the song is very uplifting, and that to some it might not be. And personally, I think I would share his opinion. I find this song very uplifting because of how heartbreaking its story and words are. It's real, and it captures grief and loss very personally. And for me, I find a lot of comfort in songs that are sad and honest like this. And I don't know what it is, but they mainly inspire me or uplift me. I don't know if it's the solidarity and feeling the same thing as the singer and the band or what, but I never walk away from a song feeling worse. You know what I mean? It's always a healing, cathartic experience. In the chorus of the song, it talks about how lost they are without the person they loved, and that they are now dancing alone. I really like the lyrics, and I, I like that they are written in a way where it isn't only a song for widows, but it can be applied to anyone who has ever suffered a loss. 
I also really love the bridge of the song. There's this part where there are about three different vocal parts that Sean sings, and they all occur simultaneously. And thanks to a helpful person on Twitter, I have learned that this is called a polyphony. And what a lovely polyphony it is. <laughs> it really does sound great and is full of emotion. And the three voices going at once, it acts as a way like all these different thoughts occurring at once. And it sounded really beautiful. When the bridge ends, though, is where we can probably hear the most vulnerable of Sean's vocals. His voice does this quivering or this undulating on one of the words, and it sounds like he got worked up singing it in the studio, and it just came out, which is perfect because that's exactly what they set out to do. And there's also a very emotional scream where he screams, dancing alone. The song then closes with the line, and tonight I will say goodbye. So yeah, I just think it's a, a terrific song. It was a really cool one I enjoyed when it came out. Back in the day, I actually named it Track 7 because back then there was no like official title for it. It was just a hidden track. But since then, it has been named Dancing Alone, which is, you know, the thing that repeats in the chorus. I'm glad that they have at least a version of this song available to listen to, but it would have been cool to have the, the conversation at the beginning. Alright, so the next song I'm going to talk about is by one of my favorite bands of all time, and this is the song For You by The Used. And this song was released on October 27th, 2017. This song is the opening track to their 2017 record, The Canyon. And to provide some brief history behind this album, The Canyon is a very special record by The Used for multiple reasons. For starters, the entire album was recorded on tape, which is no easy task. The band really had to take their time and work hard to record the songs, and there was no digital correction or fixing. I remember at first being really upset with how the record sounded when it came out, feeling like it was kind of muddled or not as clear as I would have liked. But then, once I saw how emotional and raw the concepts and feel of the album are as a whole, I think that is what gives The Canyon its unique touch sonically. And second, this is an album that was inspired by, and dedicated to, Burt's childhood friend who took his own life in Provo Canyon. In a behind-the-scenes video for The Canyon, Burt explains, The most precious moments of my childhood and my fondest memories are of times with my family or my friends in the canyon. So the title of this album has a lot of meaning. Much like the song Dancing Alone that I just covered, this song also starts out with a recorded conversation with the singer in the studio. In this emotional and honest conversation, the singer Bert explains what he would do and say if he had just five minutes left with his friend and could hold his hand. And what he would say to his friend ended up being the chorus to the song. All I want to say to you is that your love never leaves me alone. And now you're right here, hold my hand. Every single song I ever sing is for you. And in the opening conversation, Bert explains just how impactful these lines are. He believes he captured exactly what he wanted to say to his friend if he had that chance. And while I really like Dancing Alone and the conversation they had, I feel like this song conversation just hit me so much harder. It's possible it's because The Used is easily one of my favorite bands, but I, I also think that losing a friend to suicide is just so much more devastating it's so sad and out of nowhere, out of the blue. 
just lost in general is so sad. I, when I heard this beginning part to the canyon, I knew I was not only in for an amazingly used record, but also for an incredibly dark and emotional experience. And there are several songs off the canyon that address the loss of the friend and the feelings it brings up. But this is the song I wanted to talk about specifically because how it sets the tone and the premise of the record. I really like the singing in this song. Bert takes definitely a more vulnerable approach. He does a lot softer vocals, almost falsetto type of style. You could really tell that this person, this childhood friend, really meant a lot to him. To dedicate a whole album to the experience of losing this friend and to that memory is just so touching. It brought out one of my favorite The Used records. It's a, shame, it's a shame they don't play more songs off the canyon in their live shows. It doesn't seem like they really do that anymore. But either way, if you're a fan of The Used or if you've lost someone to suicide, this album could maybe be something that really means a lot to you and you connect with on a deep level. So I would definitely give it a shot. There are some happy songs too, <laughs> but yeah, just an amazing, amazing album. And now the last song I want to talk about is Lifetime by Three Days Grace. And this song was originally released on April 11th, 2022. So Three Days Grace is a band that has actually been a big part of my life. They were one of the first bands I latched onto in middle school, and it was kind of my first taste of heavy or edgy music. And so after their four studio albums with the singer, Adam Gontier, he ended up parting ways with the band. It was then that I kind of drifted off from the Three Days Grace music. I would check back every so often at the music they were making with their new vocalist, Matt Walst, but besides listening to a few songs here and there from their newest two albums, I didn't really find myself listening as actively as I did when Adam was the singer. But then just last month, I saw that Three Days Grace had a new album coming out on May 6th titled Explosions. I decided to give their latest single for that record a listen, and boy am I glad I did. I had absolutely no idea what to expect, but it really paid off because this is now one of my top listened to songs this year. So the song Lifetime sings about the expectation of having someone in your life for your lifetime, but then you lose them too soon. And geez, it really, the song and that concept really hit me hard. Losing my mother-in-law has been the hardest thing uh, me and Jordan have ever had to go through, and it, it probably always will be. So like I said, it's been about uh, two months now since she passed, and it, it still feels really painful. None of it seems real, and it doesn't feel fair, but hearing this song and relating to it so intensely has been really healing and therapeutic for me. So it's why I wanted to dedicate a whole episode to this song and other emotional songs where the artist has lost a loved one. I really like Matt Walst's vocals in this song, and I like that the song immediately starts with him singing no time is wasted, he, he just automatically starts singing these very sad lyrics. This song starts out softer and has minimal instruments, but as it continues, the vocals get more energy, some heavy guitar gets added in, and it builds up. 
And it's almost like this song captures the grief and the sadness with the first part of it, and then leading to the anger and denial of the grief stages. And the instruments are great in this song. Like I said, the guitar, it really packs a punch in those choruses. And it has me really excited to hear the other tracks on this album. I'm hoping that there will be some other emotional songs on the record that I can connect to, but can't wait to give that a listen. I'm going to talk about the lyrics here because those are what I really connect with. The words that he says on this track are very relatable to me. So it opens with called to say hello. Your voice always takes the pain away. The thought is unimaginable that I saw you for the last time and didn't know. You were the one that I wasn't supposed to lose. I thought I'd have you for my lifetime. Have you for a lifetime. It's just, it's really, it's really tough. The saw you for the last time and didn't know is what stands out to me because that, that's what happened in my situation. I, I wish I could have had the, the foresight to have maybe done things differently. I, I was able to see her before she passed away later that night, but I, I wish she, uh, I wish I could have just talked to her one last time and I wish she could have seen my new haircut. I know she would have thought it looked nice. <laughs> it's been really painful for my husband and I. Seeing him go through that has been so terrible. And I don't know, this this song really spoke to me and applied to, to my life. And so I wanted to share this song and other songs similar to it with the podcast and see what people thought. Some other good lyrics that happen in the next chorus or so says, Who do I talk to when I want to talk to you? I thought I'd have you for a lifetime. And then the bridge says, Never again will I look into the only eyes that knew me. And then it does a really cool version of the choruses. I don't know if it's a key change or anything, but it it's a very different, almost disjointed repetition of the chorus that has this angrier, heavier feel to it. And it sounds really cool. At the very end, it ends really softly and it, it almost... You can almost picture, like, the image of the deceased person with a little tribute message, like, for, like, a slideshow or something. <laughs> I know that might sound dumb, but it's almost like the song has this space to honor the person, you know, at the very end, and I just really love it. As I'm sitting here and I'm discussing bands that I enjoy and applauding them and appreciating them for being emotionally vulnerable, I wanted to do the same on this podcast kind of take that step and there are so many songs that I connect to in this way for different reasons and it's why I want to do this podcast and continue to do this podcast happier episodes to come I promise thank you all so much for listening to this episode 
You can follow me on Instagram at McKay's Music Corner. Well, that is the episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for more, and I want to dedicate this episode to Heidi Hansen. She loved music, and she she loved us, and I'm sure she would have enjoyed this episode. This is McKay's Music Corner, signing off.